0: The High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's Lead Pastor Chris Starr.
1: And so, Luke chapter two. I want to preach uh, the Christmas story today, and I want to read the Christmas story. So, we're going to read Luke chapter Luke chapter two, beginning at verse one. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, Be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. If you're an English teacher right now, you got to be going crazy. That's the most commas I've ever seen. In one verse, I pastor, I have it. I I see things nobody else sees. Keep going in this wonderful story. Verse 6: So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for Mary to be delivered. Notice this. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Now, can we pause right there and somebody say hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. For there is born a Savior, hallelujah, who is Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord. Notice this, and this will be a sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Thank you. You can be seated. You've been standing a while. Thank you for reverencing the word today. Um, I, I get accused by my oldest son, Jaron, that I tell stories on him and they're all bad. So today, uh, he was in the first service, so today I'm going to tell what I think is a much better story about him, even though it's, well, you'll see. So Jaron was about three or four years old. I remember Evan was not born yet, so he was around three or four years old, uh, little tiny little guy, and it was Christmas. And we were in Greer at the Parsonage there, and um, let me be careful how I word this, that year... Santa Claus decided not to wrap presents and bring them to our house. So all week long, there's nothing under the tree. But he knows that Santa is coming that night, and there will be presents under the tree the next morning, see? So he went to bed, and then Santa did what Santa does into the wee hours of the morning. And, uh, and, and so little Jaron, three-, four-year-old Jaron, goes to bed. It's Christmas morning. We wake up. He's still asleep. And I go in there, and I wake him up. I said, buddy, get up. I said, Santa Claus came last night. You need to come in here and look. And his sleepy little eyes, he's rubbing them, and he steps out of the door, and he's sort of at the end of the hallway, and you turn right, and it opens up into the, into the den, and there's the Christmas tree. And the night before, there was nothing there, and now there's a little bike with training wheels, and, and there's all of these gifts Just toys galore and you would think that he would have gotten excited and yelled and laughed and ran over there and started no Jaron's eyes got big as silver dollars and he wheels around and runs back into his room and slams the door shut and I looked at Leah I said what is this all about she said I don't know and so I opened the door I said buddy what's wrong and he's just standing there I said it's okay These are your toys. Come on out. You can come. And I coaxed him, and finally he went out to the tree and started playing with his toys. And I I don't know. I'm going to ask Jaren. I don't know if he knows because he was so small. I told his mother maybe the only thing is that it got in his little tiny mind at that moment is not all the gifts were there, but there was some big fat guy with a white beard that was in my house last night while I was asleep. And it freaked him out. By the way, it's interesting, you know, all the children should know we can email Santa Claus now. You know that. And uh, by the way, every, every year after that, all the gifts were wrapped. Santa wrapped all the gifts from that point on, every year, which was kind of a good thing from Santa. Um, we all love getting gifts, don't we? I like If you don't like getting gifts, you're, you're probably in a very strange minority. Everybody likes to get gifts. Uh, We love when somebody gives us something for free and just being kind to us. And there's especially something neat about and exciting when somebody gives you a wrapped gift because it's decorative and it's got the colorful paper and the bow and the the ribbon and and somebody put a lot of time and energy and work into it. and, And so that's neat and it's special. And then there's that element of surprise. Like if I just give you a brand new electric razor, then here's your electric razor, okay? So the guys, guys use, okay, here's my, well, I know what it is. But if I put it in a, and it's wrapped up, so you don't know what it is. So there's that element of surprise when you open it. And then, of course, the best part of is the experience of unwrapping the gift. So I'm going to take a survey now. How many of you, you are that person who Saturday morning, You get your gift, and you very gently break the ribbon off and unwrap it and lay it over. And you pull the bow off as gently as you can so that you can keep all the adhesive as much as possible on the bottom of it. And you lay it over, and then you take your finger, and you run it up under the seam and break the tape ever so gently. And by the time you unwrap the gift, first of all, it takes 20 minutes. And by the time you get it off, you have this beautiful sheet of wrapping paper that has been preserved. How many of you will raise your hand and say, that's me? Don't be embarrassed. Raise your hand. Raise it again. Let me see. Okay. Six of you. So I'm assuming the rest of you are like me. You need to get a chance to raise your hand. Of course, there are some of you. I've said this for years. If Jesus asked you to raise your hand, you wouldn't raise your hand. Okay, but I'm going to give you a chance here. How many of you are like me? Saturday morning, you will tear into that thing and make the biggest mess in the world.
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: you're my people. Those other people, they're weird. I'm just kidding. You do it any way you want to, okay? Just don't be at my Christmas party because I want to hurry up and open my gift, and you're taking way too long. It's like when you pray over the meal, don't pray for the missionaries. The food's getting cold. Thank you Lord for this food. Amen. Get her done. Oh. no time to ask him, Forgive us for our many sins. I don't care how many sins you got. We'll t- deal with that after dinner. I have lost the anointing right now. I go from being comical to being serious. We love gifts. 2,000 years ago, God gave us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. It was his gift to lost humanity. It was the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. This gift from God came wrapped. The Bible says that when Jesus was born, Mary wrapped him in swaddling cloths, in linen cloths, and laid him in the manger. Not under a Christmas tree, but in a feed trough. And I'm certain that she didn't leave him wrapped all the time. We kept, well, Leah kept August. When they're that little, we men are just moral support. Uh, and Then they get a little older, then we can take them out and do things. But, but she kept him. And, 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 and so there are times when babies do what babies do do. And so you have to unwrap them take care of that, then wrap them again. And Leah did that with little Augie. And, and I'm sure Mary, Jesus, was a baby. And so Mary had to do that. She would wrap him and unwrap him and wrap him again. The reason, and by little, my creative mind, okay, just bear with me today. This is how the Lord gave it to me. In my creative mind, I started thinking about the life of Christ. And the more I thought about the life of Christ, it hit me, that the life of Christ involved other moments of unwrapping and wrapping and unwrapping and wrapping. So let me just take you down that road for a few minutes. And to, to begin, I have to go back prior to the incarnation, prior to the Christmas story, before the birth of Jesus, and that is when God in heaven, in holy counsel, and with his foreknowledge... Knowing that man would sin made a decision that Jesus, the Son, would come to this earth to deal with our sin problem. And for that to happen, there was some wrapping and unwrapping that had to occur. And I'm going to take you to a a wonderful passage of Scripture that is also a very difficult passage of Scripture, and it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. It's not on the screen, but just listen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who... Being in the form of God. Now, by the way, let me stop here. We are not polytheists. We do not believe in three gods. And the church said, we believe in how many gods? One God. We are monotheistic. But somehow, he is three persons. Don't try to figure it out. It will blow your mind. Fuses will start popping. Wires will start sparking. Don't try to figure it out. It is what makes God. If you can figure out God, he's not much of a God, is he? you have trouble with that, I'll help you with that. If you can figure out God, he's not much of a God. He is one God, but he is three persons. Okay, they are equal in essence and power and glory. God the Father didn't make Jesus the Son. They are all, they, they, they are one. Okay. Go back to the, who being in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, notice this, but made himself of no reputation made himself of no reputation, I'll get back to that, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, that's called the kenosis passage, and it is one of the most powerful passages in the Bible, but it does cause a little consternation because that phrase, made himself of no reputation, most translators and scholars say that really what it should say is that he emptied himself. That's the word kenosis. He emptied himself. Some will go so far as to say he emptied himself of his privileges. Now, this is where it gets dicey because What did he empty himself of when he came to this earth? And that's where the controversy is. And I want to stay out of a minefield. And so I'm going to just stay in that safe area. And what I know in the scriptures is that I I feel very comfortable to say that to become a man and walk among us, I think he willingly laid aside his glory. Now, the reason I say that is because right towards the end of his earthly life, Jesus prayed to God the Father and said, Restore to me the glory that I had with you before. So, so it seems like that was something that was given up. His glory as, as, as the exalted God pre-incarnate, and now that he's in heaven, that's been restored. But as as the God-Man, that was him. And 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 then some people like to say his rank and his privileges and his rights. I, I don't know how far you can go with this, but he emptied himself of these things. He. Let me me use my semantics here. He unwrapped himself of some things. Y'all with me? But why would he do that so he could wrap himself with something else, with flesh? He he did all that to become the God-man. It's called the incarnation. That's why... John 1.14 says, but the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And he said, well, Pastor, it sounds to me like he has glory. Yeah, but I think the word glory here means how you recognize him as God being a man. He's full of grace, and he's full of truth. So Jesus never stopped being God in the incarnation. You know that, right? It, I've preached this for years, but a lot of you never hear this, so that's why we say things over and again. In the incarnation, it was, it was never the subtraction of deity. It was just the addition of humanity. So he's 100% God and 100% man. He took a body like yours, a human existence on this earth just like yours. So there's the unwrapping of some things. There's a the wrapping of himself with flesh. Why would he do all this? Now I come to an Now I come to an area I'm a lot more comfortable with. He did it so he might die on the cross as the sinless, perfect, and eternal sacrifice for our sins. Let me put it to you this way. The sovereign became the servant who became the sacrifice who became the savior of the world. The Bible says the penalty for sin is death. Scripture says the soul who sins shall surely die. So Jesus died in your place. It's a substitutionary death. That's why Romans 5, 6 through 9 says, for when we were still without strength, we were about as spiritually weak as you could get. In due time, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Aren't you glad you don't have to clean up your mess for God to do something for you? Okay, now eventually you need to get your mess cleaned up, but he'll clean it up for you. Okay, but but you don't have to straighten up your life to get saved. You don't have to change some things and turn some things around before God will say, okay, now you qualify. No, he died for us when we were ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, for God made him who knew no sin, and that's Jesus, to be sin for us. He became what we are so that we might become what he is. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. I guess what I'm just trying to tell you today is all that wrapping and unwrapping is so he could take care of our sin problem and do for us what nobody else could do. There, there is this concept that Paul deals with that how could God be both just and justifier? How can God be the righteous judge and stay true to his holy nature and not tolerate sin and, and, and carry through The penalty for our sin, which is death. That's what the judge has to do. Carry out sentence and yet somehow save us and justify us. How do you do that? And the wisdom of God blows us away that he said, I'll send my son who will become the God-man who will die and take the penalty for their sins and satisfy the righteous requirements of the law. And once that price is paid, now I'm free to do something positive with them and I'll forgive them of their sins and I'll declare them not guilty and I'll justify them and save Y'all, God is God. Thank God for God. We couldn't come up with that, but God did. So Jesus dies on the cross. He gives his life. And Joseph of Arimathea along with the help of a man named Nicodemus, takes him down from the cross, takes his body, his lifeless body, to Joseph's very own tomb and says, I'm going to give it to the Son of God. Watch this. And what do they do? They wrap his body in a linen cloth. He was born wrapped in a linen cloth to begin his ministry. And once he finished it, he was wrapped in a linen cloth again. The gift was wrapped once more, placed in a tomb, and the stone was rolled over the door. And three days go by, but on that third day, on that Sunday morning, now I'm like the rest of y'all, I like Friday. Friday's my day off. I work Sunday through Thursday, so when I get to Thursday, that's my Friday. I like Friday. Friday. But, you know, in the church, the rest of the world loves Friday. They hate Sunday because they know we've got to go back to work. But in the church, for believers, we're the other way around. We like Friday, but we really like Sunday. We like Friday, yeah, because the end of the work week with Sunday. I get to go to the house of God and get in the presence of God Almighty. But we like it either more because on Friday he was in the grave, but on Sunday he came out. Come on, y'all. He came out. Now watch this. I'm going to show you something you may or may not know is in the Bible. Go read it. It's in the the Gospels. Go read it for yourself. So Jesus has been wrapped in his death shroud, and he's laying on that probably a slab like a mummy when breath and life went back into that body. And he's all wrapped up, can't move. Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped him. So Jesus had to unwrap himself. And you read it, when Peter and John went to the tomb, they saw the grave clothes still laying on the, on the slab. But there was no body in it. They had laid a cloth napkin over his face. But the cloth napkin, Mary raised her son to have manners. He had folded it. It's in the Bible. Read this. I'm not making this. This is in the Bible. He folded it and took it over to a different spot. And laid it there The only explanation Is that Jesus' body To unwrap himself mummified He dematerialized And set up And when he did The cloth stayed down But his body came up Then he pulled his legs up Out of that linen cloth or That death shroud And stood over the side And stood up demate- And then he materialized again You say, really? Yeah. I don't have a problem with that because later he shows up and the disciples are behind a locked door and it doesn't stop him. He just dematerializes, go through the door and says, peace. And they all jump. Because he's God. He can do whatever he wants to. Nicodemus wrapped him. Jesus unwrapped himself. And the two angels rolled back the stone and he walked out. Resurrection power. The babe born in Bethlehem came to conquer death, Jonathan sang a little while ago. And that's exactly what he did. He came out of that tomb in resurrection power. And he ascended to heaven and went back, and that's where he's seated today at the right hand of the throne of God to be our Savior and our deliverer and our conqueror and our Lord. And why is he there? Because now the work is done. And he'll deliver you from the bondage of sin and give you the gift of eternal life. As a matter of fact, that's the next thing I want to tell you. God gave his son and now as a gift, and now Jesus has a gift for you. Isn't that beautiful? Let me word it to you this way. Jesus, who was the gift to you, now has a gift for you. And it's the gift of salvation and eternal life. That's why we like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, God gave Jesus, that's the gift. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, get, gain, receive everlasting life. God gives Jesus, Jesus gives everlasting life. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you are not saved, If you are not right with God this morning, I got some really good news for you. I don't know what you're going to get Saturday. I don't know what kind of bonus, Christmas check, whatever they gave you at work or whatever. I don't know. I'm telling you right now, there is no gift you will receive this Christmas or any Christmas that can be greater than or better than or outmatch or be superior to the gift that Jesus wants to give you right now, which is the forgiveness of your sins and the transformation of your life and making you right with God. You'll never get a gift that's better than that. I'm so glad I took that gift. How about y'all? So I'm gonna close with this short service today. Now, I don't know how y'all gonna do this, but I gotta come down here, so camera, just follow me. Is this gonna work? We good? Okay. You got me? Okay. They told me I'm supposed to stay on the stage, but it's not going to work today. Do y'all like my pretty gift I wrapped? I did a good job, didn't I? Y'all believe that? That hurts me. That just, that just, that just, that, just, that, that gets to my quick. Julio, do you believe I wrapped that? Nah. I love an honest man. No, I didn't wrap that. My my secretary wrapped it. Tanya wrapped that. You, you did such a good ta- job, Tanya. Next year I'm gonna bring all my gifts to your house and let you wrap all of them. How about that? This gift, oh Leah's over there, amen. And hallelujah. Glory. So I got this gift. Tanya, help me make this gift. This gift represents salvation. Okay? This is the gift. Of salvation, getting saved, getting right with God, Jesus taking your sins away, transforming, making you making you clean and pure and whole. What a great gift. Now, here's what I've learned. Here's what I understand. This is a wonderful gift. Do you know that, first of all, you ha- if somebody gives you a gift, you have to take it. All right, now, there are people that won't even take the gift. They won't even, I don't even, I don't believe that. I don't have anything to do with that. I don't, they just, they totally reject the gift. All right, that, that's fine. People do that. There are people that will take the gift and say, oh yes, yes. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus. I believe, I believe that historically it is a fact that Jesus was a real person and, and he was crucified. That's true. And, and um, they'll go so far as to say, yes, I'll even admit, I believe that he was God and he came out of that tomb. I, I, I believe it. You will get some to go so far as to say, you know what, um, I, I believe in the gospel. I, I believe the gospel is true. I believe that, that Jesus is the only one who can save you from their, your sin. I, I, I believe that. See, they had the gift of carrying it around. Well, what good's a gift if you don't unwrap it? And there are people, lots of people, because we live in the South, in the Bible Belt. A lot of us, most of us grew up in church. There are people that haven't. But a lot of us have heard the gospel story. And some of us are carrying it around. Yeah, I know it. I've got an, I've got an intellectual assent to that. I can give a mental nod in that direction. I, I, know, I know that. Yeah, I know that. But the gift never becomes my gift. And I'm going to say one thing, I've been so sweet and nice, but the prophetic side of me every once in a while just comes out, and I thought about this as I was preaching in the first service, is the sad part is you can split hell wide open carrying this gift with you. That's, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? That's not, that's not a happy thought. That's a sad thought. We don't want that. But you carry this gift right in with you. You've got to unwrap it. You've got to open it. You've got to make it yours. It's not enough to have that mental, intellectual assent or faith. You have to say to Jesus, I believe you're my Savior. I need you to take care of my situation. I need, I need this. See, So, Ms. Ruby, you help me out. Will you receive the gift? Will you open the gift? Okay, go ahead and open it. It is. Work on it. Just tear it up. It's your friend Tanya did. It's adoring. You're not one of those? No, rip into it, honey. Tear it up. Rip that. Tanya used like super glue tape on there. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh, that's vicious. That is brutal. There's about six people right now having a heart attack. Are, what's in it? She's shouting now. Hold it up. Hold it up where everybody can see. What's in there? There's a cross. There's a cross. See, the gift is no good unless it takes you to the cross. You carry it around all you want. You can wear a gold chain with a gold cross on your neck, a silver cross if you like, doesn't matter. Not until you. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. And that's why I'm saying you gotta open the gift and make it personal. You gotta say, He's my Savior. It's my gospel. I need you to change my life, and boy, he'll do it, and it'll be the get best gift you've ever received. I want you to stand with me this morning, please.
0: loves you and be Jesus to Calvary did go
1: feel like nobody loves you nobody cares about you especially if you are a sinner right now you may say God can't love me oh you got it all wrong I'm glad you came here today so I could tell you the truth he loves you more than you know he hates your sin now don't get me wrong but he sure loves you so much so that that's why he sent Jesus so you could get that gift so with every head bowed and every eye closed please Will anybody in this house had two in the first service? That'll encourage someone. Okay, if that'll help somebody, two in the first service. Anybody in this service on the Sunday before Christmas, say, Pastor Chris, not only do I need the gift, I want the gift. I want to open the gift. I want to be saved. I want my life changed. I want what y'all got. Y'all got something, and I want it. I need it. Every head bowed, nobody looking. I've created as much privacy I can. Just you, me, and the Lord. Throw your hand up high and hold it up. God bless you. I see you, ma'am. Anybody else? Come on, anybody else? Hold it up until I see it. You can put your hand down. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Anybody else? Throw it up. I can see it. Anybody? Come on. This is not time to be shy. I want the gift, Pastor. I want the gift. I want Jesus to give me a gift today. Hold it up high. Anybody else? Yes, I see your hand back there Thank you Thank you young lady You can put your hand down Honest people I love it That's why you gotta come God already knows your stuff anyway You're not gonna fool him He knows everything you've said Thought and done You might as well just fess up Own up to it And let him change your life Wash all your sins away Come on, anybody else Throw your hand up high I'm not gonna tear If you want it You're gonna get it Or not Anybody else Throw it high Where I can see it Wave at me if you have to Okay, two people Awesome We're going to help these folks. Y'all want to help these folks? Don't we like to give? Let's give them something. Let's give them some help. So with everybody praying together, those of you who just raised your hand, these two wonderful ladies, we're going to pray with you the sinner's prayer. We're going to help you with the words. I'm going to give you the words to say, but what you've got to do, you say them, but you've got to say them to Jesus. You just make them your own and make them... Be intentional. Say, the Lord, this is, I'm saying what pastor's helping me here, but this is how what I mean. This is how I feel. And this is what I want, God. You have faith, and you lean on God's grace. That's all you got to do. It's a gift. So you don't have to do anything. God's doing it for you. It's a gift. That's grace, see. Grace is a gift. So everybody help. Come on, let's help some folks today. Woo, this would be the best gift that y'all will give all Christmas. Everybody say, Dear Jesus. Oh, dear Jesus, I am a sinner. You know it, and I know it. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I'm tired of it. I want to be changed. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me, Jesus. Wash my sins away. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. You're the only one that can save me. I put my trust in you my confidence is in you you're going to have to do it nobody else can do it but I know you'll do it so right now I accept you as my Savior I accept you as my Lord I take you as my leader you're calling the shots I'm going to follow you come on pray I repent of my sins I repent of my sins I'm not going to sin anymore I abhor my sins I want to do what's right So thank you, Jesus. Thank you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for washing my sins away. Thank you for taking up residence inside of me. Come on, I like to do this. Say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And I know that I am. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thanks for listening.